Welcome to the HR Stories Podcast, where there is a lesson in every story. If we listen well, stories help us learn and teach us ways to act. Each year, John Tallheimer and Chuck Smithian deliver thousands of seminars around the country to business owners, executives, and HR professionals, discussing the fundamentals of human resources, best legal practices, and risk reduction activities for organizations. This podcast allows us to dig deep into the human resources experience and see where businesses go wrong. Each episode, we share a different story where a company missed the mark, and then we'll provide recommendation based on our years of working in the human resources field. Sit back, listen, learn, and act. Welcome to the HR Stories Podcast, where there is a lesson in every story. And now our hosts, John Tallheimer and Chuck Simikian. So I found a really great news article that I want to share when we start talking about what's in the news. It's literally, John, what's in the news? It was in the newspaper <laughs> yesterday in the Orlando Sentinel. All right. I can't wait. Like, tell me. Tell me the story now. I'm ready. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's interesting. A couple of years ago, I read a book. It was called First Break All the Rules. And some of our listeners may have heard of that. It's probably 20-something years old. Um, but it was it, the reason I was I liked it as a business book was it was based in statistics and facts, and it was written by the Gallup organization. And they were they were taking a look at what makes great companies great, great managers great, that sort of thing. And one of the things they said was that one of the keys to um, to uh, what is it longevity when a, an employee stays a long time? Oh, retention. That's the word retention. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what, that's Chuck. He's the HR expert here. So one of the keys to retention was having a best friend at work. And so I've always really loved that uh, aspect. And I've always looked at that uh, in the workplace. And as we would do employee events, building that camaraderie was such an important part for retention. Yeah, so yeah, having a best friend at work. Social connection. Yeah, exactly. And and I've seen that where people do have good friends, good work friends at work, best friends at work, uh, and and they do stick around because of that. Whether they admit it or not, they do. So the article in the uh, Orlando Sentinel yesterday, the headline was, um, is in the business section, benefits of on-the-job besties. Having a best friend at work provides support and helps companies in a myriad of ways. And it talks about this uh, lady, Crystal Powers. She began a new job remotely in February 2022 as a medical records supervisor. And uh, she really had only met two of the five people who, who report to her in person. And it talks about the challenges and 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 that sort of thing. But it goes on to talk about, um, you know, for a lot of employees during the pandemic, particularly uh, parents, educators, and frontline workers. Friendships offered social and emotional support at a critical time. And this is actually by Gallup organization. So they're still on the case. So that's what's in the in the news. I don't know if I can put a link to that at all, but I did want to share. Yeah. I think, I mean, Gallup's been doing that question and, you know, a lot of people go, wait, what question? I don't understand it. And what, again, it's about that social connection. One of my friends, and I don't know if I mentioned this book, one of my friends just wrote a book called uh, The Search for Meaning at Work um, by Stephen Van Vellen. I'm going to show it. Wait, can I show it? Oh, there it is. I can see it. Um, 
And he talks about that in the book when he's thinking about people's purpose. One of that purpose is that social connection. So I go to work and we're in the trenches together. We're doing this together. We're making things happen together. Um, so yeah, it is, it is a really important part of retention. And when we think about culture and thinking about, all right, as, as HR professionals, as small business owners, how do we build the culture so people feel connected at work, right? And it goes, I mean, it goes all back into that belonging. It goes into diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, having that person that you can talk to, confide to, have that conversations with is so important, I think, in everyday, everyday life. But I, we see that really important in work, too. I love you brought that article up. Yeah, yeah, that was that was that was uh, pretty fun when I saw that. Um, what's yeah. going on in your world? Well, I want oh, I, I I know you know this, but our listeners may not. So again, I was I was doing a course uh, on employment law. Um, so it was the fundamentals of employment law, and I had like ninety five people in my class, and we were talking about all these things. And always after lunch, right? Because when I have a group of HR professionals, small business owners, I always want to know their perspective on what's going on, and so I always ask the question: How do you think HR is going to change? In the next couple of years, what's go, what's, what do you think is happening in there? And so I just wanted to read some of the comments that people said, right? Um, a couple of people said, like, everything's changing, right? I don't think that was there. There's going to be an increase in automation and remote work, somebody said. More people working from home, so different HR policies will be needed. And I think that's true. And I know you've done some really good work around uh, HR working remotely, right? And so mm-hmm. how do we deal with that in the workplace. Um, I think the length of work weeks may change, right? And so there was that big study out of the UK and they did it over a period of time. And I think they had 10,000 employees on this and they changed the work week from five days to four days. And the overall evidence was that they were much more productive. They were happier in their job. They were much more productive. And I will tell you that I worked for 10 hour days um, one time in my life. It was so nice to have those three days off, to get sure. from, right? Just to be away from work and do that. Um, so that was good. Uh, what a lot of people were saying in this, what I thought was interesting, because we usually hear the opposite, but more and more HR is being invited as a strategic partner to that leadership table. Um, and so I think that's kind of really important, kind of those things that are going on there. Um Let's see, moving towards a people operations, being strategic partners. Um, FMLA may include more individuals and increase in pay. So FMLA kind of coming involved and, you know, there's talk about making FMLA paid. We do know that a lot of states are doing paid FMLA, Family Medical Leave Act. And I think that's interesting. I always say, like, I, I do think at one point everybody in the country will be covered by some kind of paid leave. Right. Uh, not anytime soon, but I think it's going to happen because I think, Workers are going to demand it. And I think uh, companies are going to also go, look, we want to do this as well, too, but we want to do it the right way. Um, And so how can we put that in there and kind of figure that out? Uh, So that's it. I mean, again, I think there's a lot going on there um, that we just need to be paying attention to. So really can some really good conversations in there. Yeah, no, that's 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 true. I love that you surveyed your class. And got some real time, uh, real time info. Yeah, uh, I, I want to know, right? I mean, again, we can get sheltered, and if we're not talking to them and listening to them, I think as as instructors and trainers and uh, people that want to be thought leaders in the the area, I think we we need to be listening to people, right? And so, 
Um, today, I'm going after this, after we record this, I'm going to do a strategic planning session. I mean, a presentation on HR as a strategic partner. So that's going to be great at Tennessee's SHRM event. So I don't know if you saw it, because right? well, this, re this will be released after it's done. But if you saw it, let us know. Tell me what you thought of it. Um, let us know. So it'll be, yeah, I think, again, asking people, because when you have that, this, these really smart, intelligent people sitting in front of you, you better be asking, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what I kind of feel, right? So, so um, I, I want to let you know that I wrote an article, John, about our episode last week, you know, our kind of, we, we jokingly called the Valentine's episode, but it's that uh, love in the workplace episode. And folks, if you've not had a chance, it's a, a great uh, podcast episode where we talk about <clears throat> love, romance in the workplace. How do you handle it? What do you do uh, as HR and business owners? How do you, how do you manage that? Uh, but I, I wrote a um, an article, and as everyone, uh, if you've listened to our podcast, you know that John and I wrote a book called The Ultimate Book of HR Checklists. And it has pretty much anything and everything you could think about uh, in an HR department managing employees, uh, boiled down to a checklist, simple checklist. Uh, but I created a checklist, John, for very simple on uh, if you're going to have romance, how do you manage romance in the workplace? I think there's probably eight, nine, ten things on the checklist. Uh, how, you know, if you're going to put a policy in place, keep these things in mind. So, folks, if you want to, if you're on LinkedIn, uh, you want to go to the team at HR Stories, search that on LinkedIn, join us on LinkedIn, and you can uh, see a copy of that story. And we'll put a, a link in our uh, show notes here uh, for this week and also in the show notes for last week, we'll update it. Uh, so that's the common thing. The other thing is, John, you talk about um, uh, info, like what's happening in the HR world. That's why I love the, the HR team of one community on Facebook. Uh, folks, it is free to join. Yes, you have to be on Facebook. Some of you may not want to be on Facebook, uh, but you can create a, uh, a very private profile, but still join the HR team of one community on Facebook. Search it out, the HR team of one community, but you can see in real time what's going on in the well, the the folks that have HR responsibilities at their company, uh, and I, I, there's some been some really interesting comments. There's one uh, about uh, SEXUAL uh, acts at work. What do we do? Uh, I I actually posted something about hush uh, hush vacations where uh, remote employees are taking vac uh, working remotely from poolside campgrounds anywhere in the country and Not that you've ever done that chuck yeah <laughs> yeah yeah from a cabin in north carolina for five weeks uh but they're not telling their employers right. and well, i why, thought why that was really you? interesting uh yeah. so i posted some questions about that but uh folks there's just a, a lot of neat things going on in hr and thanks for listening to the hr stories podcast and thanks for uh engaging with us on the team of one hr community on facebook yeah, Chuck, there was, the, so there was one more article I wanted to talk about. Uh, and I know, uh, I think you and I had a conversation about it, but there's this big thing happening. I don't know if you've been paying attention to any of this, but the AI, Artificial Intelligence Chat GPT. Have you guys Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And um, so there was an article about um, resumes and cover letters. And what this one recruiter found was that people were using 
chat GPT to create their cover letters. And so she was reading this cover letter. She was reading this cover letter to one of her postings and she's like, there's something off about it. I don't know what it is, but there's something off about it. And so she decided that she was gonna go and put her job posting in the, in the chat GPT and say, please write a cover letter for this. It created the same exact cover letter that this person had sent. To that's her. great. Yeah. Uh, right. And I was just so like, that's coming. And uh, there was somebody else in the article that said, look, I applied for 200 jobs in two days and I just used automation to do it. Right. And so I think we're going to see more and more of that. We're going to see it on both sides. Right. And we're seeing it already. It's been around in the application process. I think it's a challenge. I get very nervous when I hear people using artificial intelligence um, to scan resumes and to scan uh, applications because AI is created by somebody. That somebody may have biases or that group of people may have biases. Um, and we have to be careful because that if that gets us into disparate impact and being really careful. I'm not saying don't use it. I'm just make, make sure that you're not falling into that disparate impact because that's going to get you in trouble in your company as well. So. Yeah. Well, um, all interesting stuff, all on the forefront. I mean, we kind of it trickled in a couple of months ago. Now, bam, this whole AI thing here is here. So, yeah. um, but what did, you got a story for us today, John? I know you do. I'm always you know, excited did, to hear. And here's what I did, Chuck. I, um, I went to AI chat GPT. And I said, look, I'm doing a podcast. I'm going to throw, can you give me a story about HR issues? No, I did not do that. <laughs> no, I'm excited because for this week, I'm, ta I'm not talking to HR professionals. I am talking to employees um, because, you know, I think employees need some love and I think they need to know what they need to do to protect themselves and the organization. Um, sometimes HR cannot be there. And so I want to talk to employees today. So that's what my story is about. Um, and I'm excited to kind of, I have three stories actually. And so we're going to talk about them after the break, right? I think it's time for our break. We've been chatting for a little bit. Yep. We'll see you uh, on the other side of the break, folks. All right. Hi, this is Chuck, co-host and storyteller at HR Stories Podcast. You know, we present thought-provoking stories about where companies went wrong with lessons and ideas about how to avoid their fate. But we find our listeners are looking for more practical ways of implementing these ideas and making the right decisions and, of course, staying legally compliant. So the team at HR Stories created a resource specifically to focus on just that, how to HR without a human resources department is a free downloadable resource guide that the team at HR Stories has developed and we are now offering it to you, our listeners. Packed full of basic and helpful resources, it's a quick guide for small business owners and those who have HR responsibilities to make the right decisions, stay legally compliant, and maintain good employee relations. The team at HR Stories loves sharing HR Stories and educating our listeners about the pitfalls of employee management practices. Our free guide, How to HR Without a Human Resources Department, combines our years of management and HR knowledge. And now it's available to you, our listeners. Visit our website at hrstoriespodcast.com to get your free copy today. And remember, keep listening to HR Stories Podcast, where the lesson is in the story.
right, Chuck, we're back from break. That was a long break. We took a little extra long break there. Of course, our listeners don't get to see our long breaks, but that was a good long break. We have some, we have a surprise coming up for everyone. We're going to talk about really soon. Uh, we can't release it now on this podcast, but we do have something exciting coming up uh, where you can be involved in HR Stories podcast. Yeah, say. absolutely. Well, I mean, you could drop the, the hint. It's going to be a live version, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> coming up soon, live version where you can join in and listen to us live, but more details coming. Sam, feel free to, you know, if you have to edit that out, that's all right. Oh, uh, okay. you, you know, our commercial backers, Chuck, they don't like us releasing these things, you know? So, all right. Were you ready for the story? They're ready for the employee edition, Chuck? The employee edition of HR Stories Podcast. Shoot. Yeah, so you know, right? As our listeners know, our format is to talk about where companies went wrong and how we can avoid the same thing. Right. It's a simple format, but it really does work. And there always seems to be more stories to tell. But today, I want to flip the script. I want to talk to two employees. At one time or another, most of us have been employees, right? We have been employees in the workplace. Um, and so we have to be paying attention to that. So my premise for today is this. Employees are the drivers of the performance for the company, right? They are the ones that make the company go forward. In other, in other words, the company could not exist without them. But individually, they don't have much power. So every story we tell has an employee who has, was wronged by the company, right? And so everyone, if you go back to every single podcast we've ever done, there's been an employee at that central part that's been wronged by the company. But when I talk to employees, most of them don't know what to do if something bad happens to them in the workplace. I know we don't have much time today, so I want to focus on three common areas where employers unintentionally, and I hate to say it, but sometimes intentionally, don't follow the law and harm employees. So the three areas are wage theft, discrimination, mm -hmm. and safety. So Chuck, let's start with wage theft. According to the Department of Labor, 73% of America's workers will have an incorrect paycheck. Over $1 billion have been stolen from Americans' paychecks. So examples of ways that are not paying, yeah. not paying an employee for cleaning up, not paying for hours worked like, uh, not paying for waiting time, travel time, donning clothing. One of the main types of ways that is misclassifying employees. So let me tell you a story. A gentleman named Phil Pastor, worked at a family-owned specialty grocery store. He was responsible for stocking shelves, cleaning up aisles, and helping customers. The owners of the business expected their employees to work as many hours as needed to make sure everything was perfect for their customers. Mr. Pastor typically worked between 60 to 70 hours per week, but never received overtime because the company had classified him as an exempt employee. Okay, so exempt meaning he's on a... Uh, he's a, uh, like a salaried employee. He's paid the same amount every week, no matter what, whether he works 30 hours or 60 hours. Right. Um, That's how they had him classified. Yeah. So not knowing much more than what you told me, it sounds like he should have been a non-exempt employee where each hour counted. Yeah. And you're not the only one, right? The Department of Labor ended up doing an investigation and thought so as well. And not only was he misclassified, but there were also 48 of his coworkers were misclassified as well. Oh, boy. So if you're an employee, um, what should you do 
if you think you are misclassified in this realm? Yeah, and I think that's a good question, right? And I think it happens to a lot of employees, um, and we're seeing more and more of that, where companies are putting in, uh, put, classifying employees as exempt, but when we look at their duties and we look at their responsibilities, they, they should be non-exempt. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's be clear about what the difference between an exempt and non-exempt employee. Non-exempt employees are typically our employees, right? And so, Mm -hmm. and they get overtime if they work more than 40 hours in a week. Now, let's be clear, in some states, like California, there may be different rules. So in California, if you work eight hours in a day or 40 hours in a week, um, you'll get overtime after those eight hours, right? And so in California, that's pretty strict. And other states have similar laws. So you, listeners, need to know what your state laws are, right? And so exempt employees, though, are paid based on their responsibilities. So they're not paid on number of hours they work. They're paid on their responsibilities. So whether they work 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 hours, they're going to get the same pay, right? Right. Um, And so when we look at that, when we look at why some employees are non-exempt and some are exempt, the only group of people that an exempt employee benefits is the employer, right? And so it was built into the Fair Labor Standard Act to benefit those employers, right? To make people exempt so they can have them work more than 40 hours in a work week and not have to pay overtime. So when when Chuck and I go in and we're doing consulting at a company, we always assume that every employee is not exempt until, until they pass the three criterion test. Now, the three criterion tests, and I don't want to get too much in the weeds here, but it has to do with salary and do they make more than the exempt salary level, which is set at $684 right now, but may change in the near future. Um, do they get paid the same every week? So we cannot, exempt employee, we can't change the quality, we can't change their pay based on quality or quantity of work. And then we have to look at what they actually do. We pull them up their job description and compare it to the exemption duties to see if they actually fit in one of those criteria. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's kind of a quick overview of the difference between non-exempt and exempt. Basically, as you're walking away, here's what your takeaway from there is non-exempt employees get overtime, exempt employees do not. And so what should an employee do? Number one thing that I recommend they do is they should track their hours. I don't care if you're exempt. I don't care if you're non-exempt. Always track your hours so you know for yourself, if no other reason, how many hours you're working. But the other thing is if you are an exempt, if you're being treated as an exempt employee and you should be non-exempt, one of the big questions comes back is how many hours did they work in overtime over the last two, three years, right? And so that's the question. And if you don't track your hours, then they're gonna they're gonna guess, right? They're the employer's gonna guess, the fair labor the part wage and hour division is gonna guess. They're not gonna show. So always good to track our hours to kind of see how many hours are working. It's also good just for yourself because every time you know you're working all these hours, it's good to know. Mm-hmm. Right, so, that's number two. so if you think you're misclassified, talk to your supervisor and say, you know, I think I should be non exempt. You know, you're treating me as exempt. I, can you explain to me why the company thinks I'm going to be non exempt? Um, and really ask as much detail as possible. Um, and then the other thing that 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 doesn't help, right? If that doesn't help, I would recommend then going to your HR person 
or your HR representative, right? Whoever that may be. Now, unfortunately, some companies don't have an HR person, right? And so now you have to go to the payroll. You may have to go to the bigger boss. And really what you want to know is if I'm exempt, which exemption do I fall under, right? Because there are six different exempt main exemptions. There's other ones as well, but there's six main ones. There's the executive, there's the administrative, there's the learned professional, creative professional, computer, and outside sales, right? And so you've got, you need to know where you find them. Um, and so if that doesn't help, right? If that doesn't settle the issue, there is a wonderful website called worker.gov um, that I highly recommend. It is designed for workers. It's designed for employees to help employees handle employment issues. It's very intuitive, very easy to use. Um, they have overtime calculator advisor that will walk you the steps to see. And so that's kind of the process, I think, um, to kind of walk through. I don't know, Chuck, do you have anything else you want to add in terms of what they should do? Yeah, well, um, you know, I know at times, John, I've seen where some employees that should be hourly non-exempt employees don't want to, uh, they find a prestigiousness to being exempt, or they don't want to clock in on a time clock. And you're robbing yourself too by, by not uh, asking these, these questions. So you definitely want to uh, double check. I've seen companies that have made people exempt and salaried uh, because they're trying to save on overtime. I see it a lot in small businesses where they just pay everyone a, a weekly salary without without thinking. And some of our listeners that are that are hearing this may think, well, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to get fired. If I ask this question, if I they'll just they'll just fire me. Well, I've got good news for you. If they fire you because you're asking this question and you truly should have been an hourly non-exempt employee, um, that would be an unlawful practice. And you may end up being uh, able to, to um, well, uh, make a uh, case with the Department of Labor Wage and Hour Board. So those are all uh, things. And I got to tell you, you are right about the guessing. Uh, and companies, you need to be aware of this too. If, if you misclassified someone and the Department of Labor comes in, they're literally going to ask employees, well, how many hours of overtime do you think you worked? And employees might say 10, 20, 50 hours a week. Department of Labor will be like, okay, thank you. And you're going to be cutting a check. Yeah, we did that. We, we One company I was working with, we found out, uh, nothing to do with the Department of Labor, but we found out that there was a set of employees that we had been treating as exempt and they should have been really non-exempt. And so we went back to them and said, all right. And we didn't tell them why it was. We went back to them and said, look, can you tell me how many hours you work on an average week? Um and then what we did is we cut them a check for that back pay over the last two years. Um, and when we gave them the check, they were very happy, right? And so <laughs> they're like, oh, you're giving, right? And so that, that is really a better way to kind of <laughs> handle that without having the Department of Labor come in and kind of get it. Exactly, exactly. Uh, what else so do you want to tell our, uh, our employees during the employee edition today? Oh, well, one thing I want to say just... Be aware that your company should have the FL FLSA poster, the Fair Labor Standard 8 poster up in the break room or in the near the time clock. That is something that you can kind of look at to kind of see, right? And so it can give you that information as an employee. You do have that there. 
All right. The other one, well, another area of concern is discrimination in the workplace. Right. So it is illegal, as you know, Chuck, to discriminate against a job applicant of mm-hmm. an employee because of the person's race, color, religion, sex, including pregnancy, gender identity, sexual orientation, national orientation, origin, age 40 or older, disability, genetic information, citizenship, immigration status or service member or veteran. Whew, a lot. Right. And so harassment is a type of discrimination. So I have another story. And so I'm going to talk about this story. So Jules, not her real name, I did change her name, worked as a fruit checker at a tree fruit business in Washington State. And so uh, she would come in and her role was as the apples came out of the tree and got put on this conveyor belt, she would check the apples to make sure they met the company standards. Right? Not the most exciting job, but again, it paid her bills and allowed her to save some money up. The apples would be dropped in front of her by the apple pickers. Now, what was happening, though, is one of the apple pickers took a shine to her. Ooh, a shine. Shine, yeah. And started to harass her at work. So Jules did what we need to do. She immediately told her supervisor about the harassment. But nothing happened. At the end of the apple picking season, Jules was told that that male apple picker would not return for the next season. So guess what happened, Chuck? What happened, John? Uh, the next year, there, there, there they were, that male picker was back and started physically harassing her, causing her intense distress. So she decided she had no other action but to quit. And so she quits, and then she ends up suing the company for sexual harassment. So you know, Chuck, right? Companies are required to investigate and take steps to prevent sexual harassment in the workplace. So the question then comes, all right, what should she have done, right? And I I don't know if Jules did anything wrong, right? She did the right thing. She went to her supervisor and talked to her supervisor about what was going on. Mm -hmm. Now, what we don't know by that story is did she then reach out to the human resources department uh, and the resources person Um, to ask, right? Because human resources, although they're there to protect the organization, are also there to help you, the employee, navigate these challenges, right? And so they are there to help because if they don't help you, right? And this is the case with Jules, if they don't help you and she leaves and she reaches out to the EEOC, now that's a bigger issue for the company, right? And so they need to navigate these things early on and hopefully help you, the employee. Right. And so what she did is she reached out to the EEOC, right, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, who oversees discrimination Mm -hmm. uh, and had all employees have that right to file a complaint or a charge of discrimination, which sexual harassment. Right. Um, So you can file online via mail, in person at a regional office or by phone. Again, worker.gov has much has a lot of information to help you with this process. Once that report has been filed with the EEC, they will investigate. And if the law is broken, they will try to reach a voluntary statement settlement with the company. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that's back payment to the employee. Sometimes it's reinstating the employee. They'll try to figure something out. If not, they will refer you to their legal staff. So then you could start suing the company. Um I would mention that uh, as of last year, companies are not allowed to do forced arbitration 
when it comes to sexual harassment cases, meaning they can't say, well, if you were sexually harassed as this work, you have to go into arbitration. That's the only thing you can do. That's no longer allowed, no longer legal. So if you're an HR professional, please make sure you're following those rules. Um, discrimination, harassment, and bullying can put an employee in a tough position. Mm -hmm. Because there's a usual, right? There's a big power differential. A lot of these times, you're just a single employee complaining about something that's happening to you at work and you don't have the power. But here's the secret, right? You have the law on your side and you have many resources available to you. I know, Chuck, you've kind of talked about that. I don't, I don't know if you want to talk about it from your, your sexual harassment investigations, but I would love to hear from your point of view, yeah. what, what else can an employee do? Yeah, so here's the, the deal. If you are being or feeling like you're being discriminated against and you think you've taken uh, you're the appropriate steps, uh, really, the easiest thing to do uh, after that is go to eeoc.gov. There's an online form and you fill it out and you basically check off what areas you think you've been discriminated against. And at the very least, the EEOC will take that form. They will digest it, shall we say, and they'll send a letter to the company asking for more information if they believe that there is, well, shall we say, smoke where there could be potential fire. Uh, once again, employees may think, oh my gosh, if I do that, I'll get fired. Uh, but once again, I'm going to tell you, you are protected. And John, I got to, you know, one thing I tell folks is, you know what, if you do get fired, you may not need to work again for a very long time because retaliation is a huge no-no. And uh, when it comes to retaliation, companies that retaliate, they have to pay out big time. So I, I've seen articles where employees have received tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, a million dollars because they were discriminated against. They reported it legally. And they were retaliated against, terminated, their schedules were changed, they were harassed at work by their bosses. And um, so, yeah, it is, and employers, it is free for an employee to go online and do that. So everyone needs to be aware of that. Yeah, I think it's good. I think it's 58% of the EEOC cases are retaliation cases. Yes. Um, right? And it's just, come on, like, just don't do anything stupid, companies. Uh, if you know the if somebody did say something, follow through, go through the process, and go. Okay, yeah, we messed up, we did it wrong. Um, let's fix this. Let's do it right in the future. And so the other other thing that I will say to employees out there, it's not only you that are protected, but if you have a witness that comes forward, they're protected against retaliation. Uh, other people that have conversations with the department label are are protected from retaliation. So. Um, a lot of great things on there. So I think just putting that all together, you are there are protections, which I think, Chuck, is a great point. Yep, yep. So what else you got, John? You said you had three stories today. Yes, yeah, so why don't we take a quick break? Uh, and then I want to come back and I want to talk a little bit about safety in the workplace. This is a big one, safety in the workplace. Let's, I love let's it. Let's take a quick break and then we can come back. Hello, listeners. I have some questions for you. Do you find yourself struggling with HR and employment issues? Are you afraid you could make the wrong employment decision that will cost your company thousands or even millions of dollars? Maybe you're new to the world of HR 
or you've been in HR for a while and you just wish you had one resource, a guide to help you get HR right. Well, I've got good news for you. The team at HR Stories is excited to announce a new comprehensive resource, the Ultimate Book of HR Checklists. We created the Ultimate Book of HR Checklists as a simple step-by-step resource guide packed with 70 downloadable checklists and other resources that help small businesses and organizations get human resources right. Even with very little HR or management experience, you can get instant results with concise, practical steps for addressing many of your tough employment issues. Do not miss out. Go to hrchecklist.com to learn more. That's hrchecklists with an S, dot com to learn more. And as always, thanks for listening to the HR Stories podcast, where the lesson is always in the story. All right, Chuck, welcome back. <laughs> All right, I want to continue this, right? And so now the question becomes, right, we're talking about safety in the workplace. What do you do if your workplace is unsafe? Yeah. How many times have we heard a news story where an employee was injured or killed on the job? I, I don't know. In Nashville, it seems like, I don't want to say almost every day, but probably once a week we hear a story where something terrible happened at a company or somebody was injured. And so you see a lot of this. Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, I, you know, this isn't a story about death or anything like that, is it? <laughs> no, there's not. Uh, but it's about story about safety in the workplace. And again, somebody is injured in the story, but it's more about companies not following through. Well, let me tell you this one. Let me tell you this one. Mm-hmm. So this one takes place in Ohio in a metal casting facility. On July 10th, employees were pouring molten material into a large ladle or cast forms when the material burned through the bottom of the label and about 8,000 pounds, four tons of molten material heated to 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit spilled. The employees, let's say unproperly trained employees, right, responded to the spill by spraying water and using a forklift to break up the material. Well, suddenly the material exploded. Yeah. Oh, man. Causing the supervisor to suffer third degree burns. Now, here's the problem in this industry, right, the metal molten industry. The potential for steam explosions from mixing water in molten metal is a well-known and documented industry hazard. So when we have a documented industry hazard, how does OSHA expect us, what what does OSHA expect us to do, Chuck? Well, you know, the first thing I thought of was having worked in the hospitality industry uh, and the chefs and the cooks, the first thing you learn is when there's a fire in the kitchen, on the stove or on the the grill, you don't start throwing water on it, right? There's <laughs> a lot of gr- grease explodes, right? And so a lot of the uh, overhead um, um, uh, fire suppression is it's not water shooting down. There's other chemicals and 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 things along those lines. So um, wow, that's really something. The um, 
Uh, but I guess you need to really, John, when it comes to a lot of this, you either need to eliminate the hazard, right? Eliminate the hazard or mitigate it by properly training the employees. Right, yeah. And, and again, right, and so some industries, you can't eliminate the hazard, right? Uh, right, and so if you're moving gigantic molten that you're filling these casts, you have to do it, right? That's part of the job. That's part of the way the product is made. So you can't eliminate it. But you really have to make sure all of your employees are properly set, right? And that's why I said earlier, this company did not properly train its employees on how to handle this situation. Maybe they, I don't know, maybe they didn't think it would ever happen. Or maybe they just didn't care. I don't know, right? But yeah. this is what happens, right? And so now you have employees that are not properly trained. They see this molten hot thing coming to them. I think the natural response is to get water and go, oh, let's cool it off. Let's freeze it, whatever we're going to do. And they cause an explosion, right? And so yeah. we can't really blame the employees unless they were trained. In this case, they were not. And so the question then comes, all right, so I'm working in a place that I feel is unsafe. What do I do? So the first thing we should do is really talk to our supervisors, right? Because I always use the example of the table saw. Um, so I worked in a carpentry shop back in my theater days, and we had this table saw. And we used it every day, but there was no safeguard on it. Um, and so we had lots of conversations. Should we have a safeguard on it? We should not. And so what we found out, it's required by law to have a safety guard on that table saw. Um, and so we ended up talking to the supervisors and the production manager. And so we finally were able to get a safeguard on that. In fact, we got one of those new fancy tools. I don't know if you've ever seen these, Chuck, where that if you touch it, it automatically stops because it oh, wow. the water in your skin. Uh, they're pretty cool. Um, and so we had that, right? But, right. And so, but we had to have that conversation. Now, at times, people will go into their workplace and talk to their supervisor, going, you know, I really feel unsafe, but the supervisor either doesn't see that unsafetyness, if that's a word, or they're just like, you know what, we got to get this done. We can't worry about that. You just got to go do it. Right. And so, uh, I was telling this story the other day in one of my classes is there's a house being built down the street from us. And my wife and I were walking by one day and they had the roofers were up there. Well, not a single roofer was wearing fall protection. Uh, and we're like, oh, that's an OSHA hazard. Um, right. And so, again, right. People get in there. Oh, that's the standard. That's what we always do. But if you feel unsafe, right, talk to your supervisor. If that doesn't work document that, right? Document that conversation, then go to talk to human resources and, and be very specific. I feel I am unsafe when I do this particular activity, right? And so using the table saw, climbing on the roof. Um, I would prefer that we do it this way, blah, blah, blah. Uh, now, if that doesn't work, right? Then call your regional OSHA office um, and reach out to them and say, look, this is what we're doing. I feel unsafe. They will send somebody out to do an investigation. And if that doesn't work, you can always hire an attorney. Right? Mm -hmm. I don't know mm -hmm. how many times I've been driving home or listening to television where I see an attorney get on television and go, is your workplace unsafe? Now, I'm not saying to call that guy or that <laughs> woman. That may not be the best people to go to, but find somebody that you trust and say, look, I'm having this problem at work. 
I really don't want to make a big deal about it, but I feel unsafe and I want to be protected in the workplace. Probably a good attorney will go talk to the company and, and, and kind of come back and go, here's, here's the rules and regulations under OSHA. This is why you need to do it. Um, and so it doesn't become a big thing. And so that's what I would do. But you have a right to a safe workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, general clause, the OSHA general clause is that all employers have to furnish a workplace that is free from recognized hazards or that will cause um, serious harm or death, right? And so again, right. we need to be kind of looking at that. Again, there should be an OSHA poster in your office somewhere. And so you make sure that you're doing that as well. Anything else? I know you you get into OSHA sometimes, Chuck. Anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, well, um, you know, the the OSHA thing, look, here's the deal. I don't want employees to feel like, oh, if once again, if I say something, they're going to think I'm not cool or I can't handle it. And I think about a resort that I worked in and we had a uh, windows on the outside of this restaurant and the restaurant kind of jutted out into the water. So you can imagine kind of what that looks like. And to clean the windows on the outside, you had to have an employee on a little boat, on like a little fishing boat, not like a fishing boat, but like a uh, like a canoe kind of John boat, they they called it. And he would go out there and uh, and he would uh, stand on this boat, okay? And he'd have this big scrubby thing. And you can't he'd see be, Chuck right now, but he's 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 waving back and forth in his thing. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Imagine standing on a boat. It's not. It's a calm little pond, but you know the boat's shaking, going back and forth. This guy has a big scrubby brush and a squeegee. And I said, you know, I walk by, and this is why I tell my HR folks, get out, walk around. You got to see what's going on in the area. And and I I go, you can't. What is that? He's not he's not wearing a life preserver. He's not wearing. And, you know, the the manager, the director of engineering says, well, it's only uh, three feet deep, the water. I said, OK, but still, you know, uh, I say something. But, oh, no, I'm OK, sir. It is no problem, sir. I'm OK, sir. I don't want to you know, cause problems, sir. He'd say these things to me. And I'm like, yeah, we have to do something about this. Right. Uh, it's not whether or not you feel like you're OK. It is unsafe. And he and he said, yeah, you know, but I can do it. Now, you know, you have a right and employers have a responsibility. Yeah. I, I mean, I could tell thousands of those stories because I worked in theater. Uh, and sometimes we were we some theaters were very good, very buttoned up, but other theaters were not. Right. And so you would do things like, whoa, now I think back on, oh, that was unsafe and that was unsafe. Oh, my God, we could have been hurting people. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And so, again, here's look, here's the overall lesson for today. Employees, we have a responsibility for taking care of ourselves in the workplace. We cannot account on companies taking care of us. So we must be aware of what our rights are. And in turn, right, in turn, we have responsibilities as well. And so we need to know that. So read the posters in your break room. Read the posters by your time clock. Wherever those big posters are, ask questions that you're not sure about, not in an accusatory manner. Say, hey, I want to know more about this. How does this apply to us? Do we have material safety sheet on this chemical that I'm using? Um, do I have, um, what What can I do if somebody's bullying me in the workplace? What's the policies? Open your employee handbook. Read the policies. Make sure that you understand them. Um, consider, continue to learn. I think one of the things both Chuck and I have learned over the years is that employment laws are always changing. 
Uh, recommendations are always changing, safety recommendations, discrimination thing, wage theft in there are always changing as well. Any final thoughts, Chuck? Yeah, well, uh, just wrapping up what I've kind of a common theme. Thank you for bringing these stories up. These are common things I see in the workplace. These are common things where employees are afraid to say things because they don't want to, uh, shall we say, rock the boat. Okay. <laughs> nice. So you have to say something. You have a right and employers have a responsibility. So that's my only final thought on this one. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, again, I love that we took, I love that you gave me permission to talk to the employees directly. Um, I know most of the time we're talking to small business owners and HR uh, professionals about their responsibilities. And it goes both ways, right? We do have rights as employees, but we also have responsibilities as well, right? So we need, right? And I always say this to my HR people, employees also have a right to be responsible, be safe in the workplace, right? So you can't go and do something unsafe in the workplace and think you're going to blame the company, um, right? If they told you to do something differently, right? If somebody had told that person that was in the boat doing the windows, no, that's not how we do it. Here, you need the life boat, you need the life preserver, you need to stand in like on a ladder, blah, 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 whatever. And they're like, nah, I'm just going to do it on the boat because it's easier for me. That's wrong, right? And so now, now you can get that employee, uh, that employee could be written up for that, right? So we have to, as employees, we need to be safe on there as well. Um, all right, I think that's it for today. Chuck, anything else you want to add? Yeah, folks, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. Uh, it really helps us out and it helps us to continue to bring these podcasts to you on a weekly basis. Don't forget to check out our new book, The Ultimate Book of HR Checklists. Uh, it is a huge reference guide. It is years and years of uh, experience that John and I have both had, and we've pushed it all into these um, uh, 262-page uh, reference guide with 70 checklists, resources, anything and everything you can imagine when you're dealing with HR employee management issues. And once again, don't forget also the HR Team of One community on Facebook. And thank you for listening to the HR Stories podcast, where the lesson is always in the story. Thank you for listening to HR Stories podcast. The material presented in this podcast is for informational purposes only. Chuck and John always recommend using the employment lawyer to handle any legal HR issues. We do our best to double check sources and make sure the information we are providing is accurate. We may eliminate or embellish without changing the basic narrative to make the story easier to understand. In certain circumstances, we may change in identifying information to protect the innocent. If you have any questions, please reach out, reach out to us at help at hrstoriespodcast.com. Thank you for listening to the HR Stories podcast, where there is a lesson in every story.